Hey guys, Dylan from Art of the Float here to talk to you about our upcoming roundtable discussion on March 1st. I really want to see you there. It's going to be an exciting community event where we're going to be talking about defining your brand. We're getting good at water maintenance, we're getting good at soundproofing, but we're not great at filling up our float tanks with customers. Our industry's marketing game needs to improve, so we here at Art of the Float are hosting community roundtable discussions online to improve our marketing game. I think the most important thing about branding is the fact that it's the base for all of your marketing. Join Amy, Lance, myself, and the rest of the Float community as we get together and deep dive into what a brand is, how it benefits your business, and how it brings customers through your door. Defining your brand is our first roundtable experience of 2017 and will set you up for future marketing roundtables throughout this year. There's no need to waste your valuable time and money. This is a small investment that will potentially save you thousands of dollars and certainly hundreds of hours over the lifetime of your business. Go to artofthefloat.com forward slash roundtable and see our full list of roundtable discussions happening in 2017. Sign up now. And we'll see you on March 1st. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Art of the Float. Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast that tells our stories of starting and running our float centers where we provide insights and tips along the way. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Art of the Float. You can join the conversation by leaving a speak pipe on artofthefloat.com. And of course, you can visit the site to find show notes, links, pictures from every episode. Anything that we discuss is going to be on artofthefloat.com on the show page. I am Dylan Calm. I own The Float Shop with my wife, Sandra Calm, The Float Shop in Portland, Oregon. And tonight I'm joined by Amy of Float Nashville. And uh, Lance is out tonight. He hasn't missed a show in a long time, but uh, he has some family stuff going on. So he is taking the night off. And there's a teensy tiny chance he might join us later on in the show. But I, I think he's, he's just calling this one. So we will catch up with him next week. I just want to mention that all of us are available for consulting, and um, if you are interested in supporting the show, if you do go to artofthefloat.com and pick, uh, click on the products page, if you find the Amazon click-through link, you can bookmark that, and everything you purchase for yourself or for your float center will also send a tiny little percentage to us and help us support, or, or help, uh, yeah, support the show, help us buy fancy microphones and all that sort of thing, so we can just sound as as high. High quality as possible, and maybe even someday professional. That would be nice. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, first, of course, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor that's been with us since the, the beginning, and we appreciate it so much. Floataway, www.floataway.com is where you want to go to check out any of Floataway's float tanks, which have, I think, you know, we talk about tranquility all the time, perhaps because I own it, um, but they also have um, a simpler version of tranquility float tank that has a manual door to open and close, which of course is going to be cheaper. They also have float cabins that can float as many as two people at a time. They have the float around float tank, which is what they're using at the Laureate Institute for Brain Research, which is also where I've had uh, some of the best floats of my life, uh, just because you, you pr pretty much can't bump into the sides of the float tank. And if you do, you don't even notice it. It's really interesting. Um, so there's just a lot of variety with what Floataway is providing. Again, it's www.floataway.com if you're interested. Amy is back from Las Vegas, and she is recording <laughs> from her floor at her home in Nashville. Uh, Amy, do you want to tell Hello. us why you're you're on your back? So, I partied a little too yeah, hard right. in Vegas. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, like like all good stories, um, 
there really does need to be a, a better story than why I am uh, podcasting from this very odd place tonight. <laughs> um, I actually got back. So Mark, I'm blaming this all on my business partner, Mark. Fair enough. Who got sick while we were in Las Vegas. The last night there, he started with this cough and uh, was sick pretty much all through the travel day and got back. And then, of course, as soon as we got back, I started with this cough. Turns out it was bronchitis. And I coughed my I coughed my back out, <laughs> which makes me sound like I'm a hundred years old. But <laughs> one good cough. I wish I had a better story. It's um, a real but thing. My, my that back is a real thing. And then uh. next thing I knew, I couldn't walk, and <laughs> I'm stuck. I'm stuck at the chiropractor with my back spasming, not able to get off a table. It was all. It was just a disaster. Um, the upside but, is um, you can't escape people putting microphones around you, so you couldn't escape the podcast uh, tonight. So I'm really happy. I know, to hear seriously, that. <laughs> it's funny because it's like, well, what else am I going to do tonight? Except lay, lay here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they found a. By they, I mean my my husband and Mark found a mic <laughs> to put the mic in front of me, and here I am. <laughs> How Never ends. That? How's that affected your work week? So. <laughs> Talk about the worst timing. I don't know about mm. you, but you know, January 31st is a pretty big deal as far as taxes go for most of us. Yep. And uh, here I am back from Vegas expecting to hit the ground running. Uh, yeah. And I was on bed rest from uh, from a pretty bad case of bronchitis for, for a few days. And now this. And I can't get to the office. Uh, these are the things you don't think about when you own your own business. Yeah, right. Uh, Fortunately, I have a business partner who's running things back and forth for me, uh, but uh, it's making it a little, little difficult, a little difficult, Are you, for sure. You're getting it done, though? You're going to get your taxes in on time? <laughs> Slowly, but surely. Wow. Yeah, at least I got the important stuff. I, I got my important stuff done, so we're going to take what I can get right now. So, Dylan, surely your week has got to be better than mine. What's going on? Hmm. Yeah, I guess I can't say my uh, week was worse than yours. I didn't throw out my back. I did throw out my back, but it was fighting a dinosaur. So it, was, it has a cooler story, so I get more props well, then, from it. Yeah. You're all set. There was an interesting you're time travel thing. Fine. All right. No. So, uh, yeah, actually, my week was really difficult, to be honest. And it was more... Um, uh, so as you know, so like December didn't go as well as we had hoped because we got hacked. We had... Uh, um, uh, you'd go to our website and it would redirect to some rather inappropriate websites. And <sighs> and then in January, we had uh, snow, which Portland is uh, not accustomed to in any way. We don't travel when there's snow. And it stuck around for a long time. So these things really hurt our business. And so, um, you know, we're hoping for, for things to, to crank up and everything. Yeah. So there's a little bit of like, I, I, like finances is in the air, you know, like that tension uh, is mm -hmm. in the air. And then, um, so we're working on, um, uh, the, the idea as we've discussed before is to have plans for advertising that are, you know, more than just a sale, but there's meaning behind it. There's motivation behind it. And there's something that sure. are something that we can not re I don't want to use the word recycle, but I mean, something like that to the effect of when it's July, this is the, the program that we run and something that we can refine year over year, but it's not something mm -hmm. like we're reinventing, uh, the wheel. So we've, we've really been working on that. And, um, with that being said, I've also been going to the float shop constantly to work on 
just random problems. I had a, a pipe burst on. Oh, man. Uh, it, just, it just keeps happening on our old Floatarium float tank where we rebuilt so much of the, uh, the filter system, but all the old parts from the 90s are just busting on us. So um, they're actually there probably since the last time we spoke. Two pipes have burst on that float tank, which is crazy. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a little bit amount of a stress, a stress there and... Um, you know, we had to shut down the float tank because of that. The struts went out on floatarium as well. Sandra just wants to get rid of this float tank at this point. And I'm like, no, 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 it's still good. It's still good. This is just a cluster. It's fine. It's a good tank. People like it. Um, and I did a good job replacing the filter system, I promise, which is hard to convince somebody when it's falling apart every day. Um, sure, and, sure. And then other plumbing problems, like just a leak in our sink and needing to replace sink parts. It's just like all this plumbing stuff is going wrong. It's really weird. Um, and then, of course, we were uh, selling our old Tranquility float tank, which uh, got picked up. So that's really exciting. Um, that is Hooray. on its way to its new home. And... Uh, so just work with that. And what that means is I've got a new baby girl. And for the first time, like I've had to be away a lot, which has left Sandra at home, who is no slouch when it comes to working on float shop, um, anything float shop. I mean, really the yeah. only thing she doesn't do is plumbing, you know, is, is, <laughs> is, uh, turning a pipe wrench. So, um, she is having a really difficult time working on the laptop, while she needs to be giving a baby attention, you know? So, like, even if the sure. baby's asleep, then it's awkward and difficult. And I've seen some really amazing emails sent from her cell phone, which have been written one-handed. Uh, but overall, it, it's uh, it was really difficult on her. And by the end of the week, she felt uh, super burned out. And we had a little little come-to-Jesus moment about, like, what are we doing here? What are our priorities? What things can be spaced out, you know, what kind of work can be spaced out. And also just a good night's sleep is always uh, a wonderful thing as well. So, um, well, I have continued to go to the float shop. It's been for shorter amounts of time. She's uh, been very understanding of that necessity because it, it does pay the bills for a little one. Sure. Um, and just, uh, it was, it was just good to have a really good talk about it. Let it out all out on the table about how we feel about just everything going on um, and come up with a new plan on how we want to to do this because it's it's all new I don't know how to raise a kid let alone raise a kid with a, a business so um, it's uh, whew, it was a stressful week and um, already starting on Monday it's been a lot better um, with with how we're doing things so knock on wood it, it's it's it stays that way so yeah that's uh my week no nowhere near as bad as, as your week um, well, you know, I don't want to compare weeks at all right? Uh, because I know, right? that is some tough stuff. And I know that we're not the only ones. And you know, I don't have any kids, but I know there's lots of float center owners who are struggling with mm -hmm. having, you know, the parents are running a business, so taking care of the kids. So it's a very real issue for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's, you know, my, my hat's off to you, Dylan, for sure. Yeah, thanks. And I want to go back because one thing you said did actually kind of excite me, but you know, cause I'm kind of a numbers geek oh, and yeah. a marketing geek. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned that you're starting to put a schedules together to run regular, um, to run regular, uh, specials or programs or, um, endorsements. So are you doing anything considering that January has been tough? Are you considering doing anything for Valentine's day or do you have anything in the pipeline for that? Uh, Valentine's day is usually good for us, but, um, I don't think we're going to do a campaign. We might put together an, 
not an ad, but you know, a little a little graphic to put out there to let people know what we have to offer, and that it's it, it's funny to tell people like some, one of the best ways you can have a night is to be away from each other. But man, Sandra and I loved dating, um, going into floats and then coming out and then just having an amazing meal. Everything tastes good. It's so exciting to talk to somebody about your experience and hear about theirs. Your senses are heightened. It, it's, a, it's a great evening after a float. And um, yeah. hopefully we can convey that to people. But no, we don't have a campaign planned for this one. And again, we're, we're a little just behind on all of our plans for this year already. Um, and so currently what we're working on is finally launching our one tier membership plan. And that's finally getting forward, uh, to, to actually launch. And, um, that may launch with a, a campaign as well of like, um, if you sign up to, to get a discounted amount for the first few months, something to that effect. So that's, that's what we're focused on now. And, I think the problem is we do that too often. We go, oh, gosh, this is the holiday that's coming up. Let's focus on that now. And we're always behind, too far behind. We should be right behind the eight ball, ready to go months in advance where we just need to pull the trigger as opposed to scrambling for each thing as it comes up, which, you know, it works in college and, you know, procrastination works, but it, it doesn't work as well for the business, at least with how we run it. So th that's our main focus. Funny that you mentioned that, though, because or, or that that comes up because I we are distracted with I, I definitely generally want this show to be clear of politics and all that. But uh, the float shop is getting, quote unquote, political uh, for anybody listening outside of the USA. You may have heard we have a new president and perhaps have read an article or two about what's going on. Um, and our big concern is um, uh, or. <laughs> It basically is the Constitution not being upheld by our current administration. And so we are going to do a fundraiser for the ACLU, which fights for, um, I, I would just basically say to summarize, oh gosh, somebody's going to school me on this, I'm sure, after listening to this, but but the Constitution and what um, is legal and what is not legal. The ACLU does not always defend things that we are proud of, but they, um, it's in situation to situation, but overall, they defend our Constitution and people's legal rights. And so uh, with what's going on right now, particularly in Portland, Sandra and I are, nat Sandra and I are natives to Portland, Portland, Oregon. And um, it's just a very diverse city with creed, color, uh, gender, gender identity, uh, just all of all of that. There's just a wide swath. And we want to make sure that um, our community is always um, feel safe and is taken care of. And of course, that means the rest of the country as well. Uh, so we are doing 100 and, and then hopefully this will be out by time the episode airs. But uh, we're doing 100 uh, floats for the regular price of $70. And 100% of that, even the transaction fee, I mean, all of that money gets donated to the ACLU. So if we actually sell 100, we'll have a $7,000 donation, donation, which Sandra and I couldn't do on our own. Uh, so wow. we're, we're leveraging the, the company to do that. So could could totally um my, my fear is alienating people um because we're the float shop is supposed to be a safe space for everybody um but really what our plan is with aclu is it's not a political party they are supposed to make a safe space for everybody in the usa is, is how i think of it so um hopefully that gets conveyed through what we communicate to people because i know we have people who float with us on both sides of, of party lines and this isn't meant to divide um, as far as that goes. So that, that's my concern. Um, 
Sure. Yeah. And it's a valid concern, um, but it'll be interesting. I know that you and Sandra are both um, very well spoken, and I have a feeling that the way that you present it is going to be is going to be just fine. Okay. I think people <laughs> will see your heart. I, I think people so. will see your hearts, and so no matter where they stand, um, I think people who come to float in particular are pretty amazing, extraordinary, beautiful people who um, who know your hearts and will appreciate what you're doing. Well, we'll stand behind you. Thank you. I, that's sweet. I appreciate that. And uh, I'll let you know next week. <laughs> I'll yeah. let you know how that goes. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we didn't uh, talk about what the topic of the show is tonight. I'm very excited. We have an incredibly unique perspective on tonight's show uh, where we are going to hear from a couple that owned a float center and decided to move on um, to I actually don't even know what, what their new careers are. So we're going to find out everything about them. Um, before we bring Arlie and Anthony on, I just want to give a shout out to Float Helm, uh, who also sponsors the show. We're, we're big fans of Float Helm at the Float Shop. We use, uh, we're starting to use every aspect of, of what Float Helm has to offer. And I just want to mention that Float Helm doesn't just do floats anymore. They're, uh, you're able to bring a lot more. So if you're also doing massage or you're also doing acupuncture, those are all things that you can bring into, uh, into your system and offer at your float center all just using Float Helm in addition to the crazy number of other things that they, they use with their software. So um, <laughs> www.floathelm.com is where you want to go to check that out. And um, yeah, thanks guys for sponsoring the show. Anthony, Early, welcome. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Thanks. Good. Excellent. Thank you for having us. Again, I, I just I want to thank you again so much for being on the show. It means so much to us. You, there is no reason that you would need to be on the show, and it just it's so generous of you guys to to want to spend your time with us. So thank you so much. Um, what uh, again? What was the name of uh, of your business? Uh, we were called The Float Room. Mm -hmm. It still exists, but it's just owned by another person, and, a lovely woman. And where uh, yeah. where was that located? Or, excuse me, where is that located? So we're in Adelaide, South Australia. Okay, great. And uh, basically for our listeners, I think we're almost just going to go on a timeline here. I'm pretty sure we're going to digress because that's how conversations go. But <laughs> I would like to start... Yeah. Um, before the beginning of your float center and, and go all the way back to what your guys's career paths were, uh, before, um, maybe before even discovering floating or certainly before starting your float center. Sure. Um, I'll go first <laughs> if that's okay. Um, <laughs> I probably had most experience in doing reception and administration. I worked in retail for a while, but um, had a lot of experience in sort of medical settings, physiotherapists, that sort of thing in the office and reception. Um, I studied business management at university um, and then ended up working at a helicopter company, um, which is where we met. And then I ended up working at a project management firm, um, which I couldn't stand <laughs> and was looking for a way out. So, um, which the float room became that opportunity. So, um, the kind of skills I guess I brought were more business management, administration, reception, yeah, that sort of thing. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Anthony? Over to Anthony. Yeah, I started out as an electrician, an oh. apprentice electrician. And um, when I was about 24, I started flying helicopters. Wow. And... I flew for 30 years, 
um, offshore oil rigs, mineral exploration, media, <laughs> and um, emergency rescue, so oh, like air wow. ambulance. And uh, I'd always had a fascination with floating, but there was kind of nowhere in Adelaide to float. And uh, by chance, Ellie's brother had a float tank in um, country Victoria, and we floated there and we loved it. And uh, I thought, because I was working shift work, I thought it would be great to have our own tank to experiment with uh, preparation for night shift or, or um, sleep recovery. Uh -huh. So we thought about it and we thought, well, let's, let's go down that avenue while I was still flying and Ellie uh, gave up the corporate world and we got our first tank. That is a very cool story. Amy, it looks like you have a question there. I have questions yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it, Dylan. Uh, so you didn't necessarily want to leave flying. It sounds like Ellie was more interested, and she did not care for her job. That sounds like where I came from. It sounds like you were still interested. Uh, is that right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I kept flying um, for about another six years while we were running the, um, initially running the float business okay. uh, from home. And what were you doing during that six years? Was that emergency flights, or what, what kind of flying were you doing? Yeah, um, aerial ambulance, wow. um, okay. you know, medivacs and uh, res rescue, and also police work. But it was a 24-hour shift roster, so it was a little bit brutal. So having the option to be able to float <laughs> prior to going to work and also when I got home from work, it was brilliant. And you actually would use it. It wasn't just, I want to want to try it by a float tank and it just sits in the basement you were using it no no uh, we we both used it and uh, we, before we bought our tank we had an old um, 1964 uh, Holden car which was a classic in Australia and okay we sold it and bought the tank with that and I said to Ellie I think we'll go further in the tank than in that car <laughs> and, and that was an understatement that's awesome that's wonderful mm. um can you the only problem became when we got too busy and Anthony would finish a shift and we were booked out and he couldn't get in the tank. <laughs> yeah. so I understand that feeling for sure. Is that when you started thinking we need, to, an issue. we need to run a float center, like have more float tanks or what was the onus yeah, of that? Yeah, that was part of, yeah, the part, oh, we yeah, kind of got forced into expanding actually. We had a neighbor complain about there being too many cars coming and going oh, wow. um, and the council ended up saying well you we don't want you doing that there anymore mm -hmm. um, which we thought was the worst thing to have ever happened <laughs> at yeah. the time yeah. um, but as always turns out with these things the worst thing ended up being the best thing so we ended up finding a group of shops and we bought the shops um, with, with I'll digress slightly. In Australia, if there's any Australian people listening, <laughs> you um, we've got this thing called superannuation. I don't know if you guys have it there, but it's kind of your self-funded retirement. If you okay. have a self-managed one, you can actually buy a property with it and rent it to yourself. So that's what we did. So if you are Australian and you're listening and thinking of starting a float centre, that's a really good way to go about it so that you can actually own the shop that you're starting out in. Oh, that way you can have more of a say in your fit out rather than being at the whim of a landlord. Right, which mm. is a big mm. uh, problem currently in the industry. Finding a landlord who's willing yes. to let you 
put up walls, chop up floors, all that, all that jazz. Yeah. To, yeah. to own that's, that would be the nice, nice way to go. Yeah. Um, and so you did technically own the property. Is that right? Yeah. And we, we still do. Oh, you do. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, so we have a vested interest in our new owner being really successful. Cool. That's great. Because we want them to be a really good tenant. So you are still part of the industry. That's great. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, total digression here. Flying helicopters. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. You got me with that. Um, with, with the police work, what, what does that look like when you're flying a helicopter and you said police work? Um, is that still a medical s- situation? No, it would normally be involved in... Um, a large amount of high-speed chases, oh, is that uh, right? so okay. stolen cars um, at night. Okay. Um, but also surveillance, uh, search, uh, an amount of uh, attempting to find drugs, marijuana in people growing in their ceilings. Oh, God. Um, okay. And with an infrared camera, those sorts of things. Wow. Yeah. And would you consider that yeah. to be a high-stress job, or were you simply focused on the flying and that... That's just where you would keep your attention. They're definitely the uh, high-speed chase is a high-stress job. Mm-hmm. Um, it involves a low-level flight using uh, night vision goggles and two or three radios going at the same time, not to mention negotiating with air traffic to get clearances. So, it, yeah, it's pretty high-stress. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So uh, the float tank... Flow take us some nice, nice reprieve. <laughs> De- definitely, but in that helicopter world, all of the people that that I knew thought we were weird for wanting to float. Why? Elaborate on that. Well, when we first started with the float business, there was really no other centres in Adelaide, mm-hmm. and um, so we we were kind of in their eyes out on a limb in that, um, you know, like. Well, they're hippies and all right, that sort right. of stuff, <laughs> as opposed to using it as a tool to mm. uh, combat fatigue. Yeah, mm. and that's really what—that's really what we set out to do in the beginning was cool. to experiment with fatigue management. Interesting. And I think it's a—that's certainly an industry that needs it. So my husband is a police officer, and mm. we really push to bring some officers in. And it's been very difficult. And the one thing I hear over and over again is a lot of police officers are very uncomfortable being feeling out of control. <laughs> and while we know that they're in control in a float tank, they're in a dark room uh, with earplugs in, not within range, close range of their weapon. <laughs> and that's a very that has always been a very big concern. Um, they just feel very vulnerable in that situation. Um, was it something that you were able to overcome and, orig- and eventually get more of your local law enforcement um, and uh, public officers that to come in and to give it a try? Or was it a, an uphill battle that you never felt you really got um, a hold of? We, we did have a few police um, trying it and also ambulance officers and nurses and those sorts of people. Mm-hmm. But as you know, with floating... If you, the one-off normally doesn't give you what you need. It needs right. to be cumulative, so floating often. And that's when you can really get into those deep relaxation modes. So a lot of people would try and say, oh, you know, nothing happened or right, I right. couldn't relax mm. or my neck yeah. was sore or whatever. So 
they'd often not come again, which was a bit, a bit sad, really. Yeah, I, just before we sold, I was contacted by a woman who's actually working with the police um, and emergency services here in South Australia who's trying to develop a program for um, those sorts of people to really start looking after themselves. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's continuing on um, now with the new owner that um, I guess not just for sufferers of PTSD but to help people prevent getting into that situation. So um, there is an awareness out there and people are trying to look after themselves. It's, I guess, like anything, it's finding the time to get in and um, prioritising it. So so when you guys were running out of your house, who was visiting you? Who was your your demo? Uh, Do you know everyone and anyone? Is that right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was amazing. I think we, when we first started a, uh, we were doing a lot of Googling and we listened to a YouTube clip and a guy said, if you think you're going to target the hippies, you've got it all wrong because mm-hmm. they don't need it and they don't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and that was a really good tip. Um, yeah, yeah, so we were pretty open-minded as to who would um, walk through the gate and, yeah, people from all walks of life, but definitely a big contingent of Joe Rogan fans. Um, I think oh, they're keeping right. most mm-hmm. businesses afloat. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, from CEOs to um, personal trainers, um, CrossFitters, um, yeah, one of our most re- regular customers was a came probably within the first month of us opening and came almost every week. Um, and still comes, and nice. he packs shelves at the supermarket for a living, uh-huh. and he's, uh, um, he, I don't think he'll listen to this, but <laughs> he's a bit, um, <laughs> you'd probably cross the road to avoid him if you saw him on the oh, street. Wow. He's, uh-huh. um, he, like, you know, crazy hair and <laughs> just looks like nobody owns him, but he was um, a brilliant customer. So you just can't pick them. <laughs> right. I, uh, that, that when, when Ellie a- asked him why he floats, he, he stopped and thought for a moment and said, my life goes better. Nice. Hey, that's nice. the truth, right? Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's the best reason I've yeah. heard to float. That's exactly correct. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I feel like... So, uh, I d- I'm just going to say this real quick, Amy. It's just like I feel like... Um, that's exactly the truth to floating and also kind of the hurdle that we have is there's not necessarily a specific demo out there. Like everybody can Mm -hmm. love floating and everybody can use floating. So yeah, go ahead, Amy. I was just going to say, so after you, you were in your home for six years with one tank, is that right? Yeah. And then you purchased this building and you were able to move and expand. How big did you expand? How many tanks did you put in? We only went to two tanks. Um, and two massage rooms okay. with room to expand if we wanted to put more tanks in, but we wanted to be realistic and not have to get into debt or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we did what we could afford to do rather than have to borrow to do. Um, and and that worked well. And to this point, when we sold, we weren't at 100% capacity, so... Um, I think that's, it was a good mm. move. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think it, within the next year or so, they'll probably 
see the need maybe for another cool. another room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so while you were um, either during your build out or just during the time of owning owning the business, um, what were your business biggest obstacles while running it? Um, I think particularly eight years ago was awareness and trying to get people to understand mm. what floating was mm. and to give it a go and to not view it as some gimmicky kind of treatment mm-hmm. um, and get people to give it, yeah, and get people to give it more than just one try. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. That's, I think that is, that can be really difficult. And I think particularly maybe with the Joe Rogan fans, yes. they think they're going to come in, uh, trip out and <laughs> leave their body the first time they float and they don't and they're disappointed mm-hmm. and they don't come back. Um, so those sorts of things, but also being at home was quite challenging. Um, I think you think working from home is going to be easy, but the lines between your work and your home get blurred and you feel like you're working all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask what, what, how, what was the biggest difference between working at home and working at the shop? What improved or what? And what didn't improve? What was better yeah. and what didn't feel as good? Um, from my perspective, I could come home and leave leave work right. behind. As much as it's on your phone and your laptop and that sort of thing, you don't have to check those. But when we were at home, you know, someone could still come to the gate and mm. um, inquire or uh, it, and I could hire staff and leave someone else nice. there operating it. Right. And right. come home. <laughs> so, and do you know, probably the number one thing is that people take you more seriously and they think you're a legitimate business when you're in a commercial premises. When you're at home, people just think it's unprofessional and you have to work so much harder to make it seem professional than you do in a commercial premises. I'm so glad you said that. I think that is an absolute truth out there. And whether it's true or not about your professionalism, that the stigma mm. is there if you're doing it out of your house. I think that's a very real yes. thing. Thanks, thanks for saying that. Yeah. Um, um, Anthony might have some other perspectives on what the difference was because yeah. I was probably doing more of the running the business more. Obviously, he was still working. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony was helping out more doing the maintenance and stuff like that for me when I needed help or just covering me if I couldn't do something. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. And having chats to people afterwards, which he's really good at. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. De- definitely, uh, you know, we could eat dinner together. Someone would put someone in the tank and we could have dinner. Oh, yeah. Uh, whereas once we moved to the shop, you know, I'd wait till 9.30 before Ellie came home or I'd maybe take dinner there and have it at the shop. So that was, you know, that's just a minor domestic <laughs> side that was maybe different, Mm -hmm. but certainly if anything went wrong, I was more often than not right there to be able to fix it quickly as opposed to at the shops. It might have been more difficult for me to get there. What kind of things would be going wrong? Well, uh, one one, uh, thing that actually went wrong which worked out well was the uh, filter stopped working and Ellie had customers and she needed to filter in between and I quickly figured out that the impeller of the pump was full of hair. Mm-hmm. So I pulled the front off the impeller 
and cleared it out and put it back together and no one knew that it had been pulled apart. So that worked out well and we were able to get the person straight in the tank. So those sorts of things. And I don't know how people run float centres that aren't handy. Well, I think you become handy. (laughs) You have no other choice. You learn so much. Somebody somebody will rise. I I feel like it's, it's rare both of them like become experts, but one of them becomes an expert on like plumbing and powers the filters. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Quick question back to you before you expanded, how were you so busy with one float tank and running it out of your house? I mean, did you have a website? Like you you said people are coming to the gate. Did you have signage? And we had, um, yeah, the regulations here, you have to be quite, discreet with your signage so we didn't have a lot of signage but we had a good website Mm -hmm. and there wasn't a lot of competition so anyone would google floating Adelaide and we would come up so um, and we had a really good word of mouth we had a couple of really good clients who just um, one of them in particular was personal trainer and um, CrossFit um, Mm -hmm. world champion masters woman and she was a great um ambassador for us cool. and would send lots of people our way um awesome. and just yeah word of mouth was really how how it worked cool so no ads in the also, paper no well no did we do anything but we did i was fortunate enough to have quite a few contacts where i did get quite a few um articles in the paper just for various things Um, and we did have uh, a story on today tonight which is like a current affairs um, and that was huge for us and that was probably about 18 months to two years into the business and literally the episode stopped and 30 seconds later my phone didn't stop ringing for 24 hours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was crazy. But having, in hindsight, they weren't necessarily the kinds of customers. No, not, oh. not that you can pick and choose your customers, but they weren't, uh, they were in it for a quick fix to cure a problem, um, you know, because it was sold as, oh, if you've got a back problem, come and have a float because it'll cure it. And um, they kind of missed the point. Uh-huh. Um, so lots of the inquiries were not necessarily um, sustainable customer base. Sustainable customers, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was a brilliant thing, nonetheless. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But lots of little articles in papers just about people changing careers, um, and I was interviewed, or tips for having your own small business. Just I knew people in PR who nice. just said, "Oh, can I put you forward as someone to interview?" And I'd go, "Sure." <laughs> Um, awesome. So those things all helped. Wonderful. Nice. What uh, do you know? What year you actually bought that first float tank? Where you sold the car and bought a float tank? Two thousand and nine. Okay. And then when did you decide? Or yeah, when did you open? Uh, what year did you open the commercial center? Uh, the commercial center that was in two. That uh, was two thousand. The start of two thousand fifteen. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. And. Uh, what it, it sounds like there was success with your business it sounds like it was it was working well obviously a great pr happening and what i i mean i don't know um how did it start to come up that this might be something that you didn't want to continue doing what what started sure. bubbling up you know yeah absolutely 
ironically, probably through floating, I realised I didn't need to continue <laughs> operating a float centre. Um, Gets 22. But Darn there was lots, yeah, lots of contributing factors um, led to us thinking it was the right thing to do. Um, for one, I started to just get a bit exhausted. Um, eight years of plugging away and then the moving locations and having to renovate the shops and get it all set up. I was just tired. Mm -hmm. um, and as you other float centre owners will know, you give and give and give of yourself. Um, it's not just you serve a customer and buy. Yeah. They, you build relationships yes. and you, um, which are great and you get a lot back from them as well, but it does, it does become tiring. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like I was maybe giving more to them than I was to my friends and my family. Oh, wow. um, so it was that combined with the fact that we felt like if we were going to sell, now was a good time. Hmm. Uh, the business was profitable mm -hmm. and there wasn't a lot of competition in our uh, city mm -hmm. and the industry itself is only growing. So we thought, look, if we leave this another five years, there could be a lot of competition and there could be no one interested in opening a float centre because there's too many of them around. Right, right. Um, we thought at the moment there's probably other people thinking of opening their own float centre. Maybe they could buy ours mm -hmm. instead of opening their own. So we felt um, it was a good time to sell when we wanted to, not because we needed to. And I think that's a big part of it is really lots of people leave it till they have to sell or need to sell for some reason. Um, we went, interestingly, had a weekend away mountain biking and went to this little country town and we were speaking to the lady who owned the pub and she said it was for sale. And we we said to her, oh, we're thinking that maybe we, we might want to sell our business one day. And she said, well, if you're thinking you might, my tip to you is start putting everything in place huh. so that you can when you want to yeah. because she um, and start planning towards it. And she said because she'd been trying to sell her business for three years. Oh. And by the time you go from I think I'm going to sell and you're still doing it three years later because you have to, yeah. uh, she said it's, it's not ideal. So... Um, Ours sold way quicker than we expected it to, <laughs> so we were kind of a bit shocked. Yeah. But um, that was, there were some of the reasons, but combined with the fact that um, Anthony, uh, you wouldn't know it, but he's 18 years older than me, <laughs> and um, we both have always wanted to sort of do a bit of travelling, like buy a caravan and head off around Australia and um, oh, cool. We nice. thought that now was a really good time to do that. My parents are healthy. Anthony's daughters um, weren't having babies. <laughs> and we thought, oh, this is a great time. Right. This is sort of in our life. We don't really have um, any reason that we have to stay in Adelaide um, except for the business. So we decided to sell. And then obviously Anthony's daughter said, I'm having a baby. Of course, of course. <laughs> and set the world in motion. So it was a little bit too late then um but <laughs> we we wanted to have this adventure so for us um we thought about do we just get a manager in um 
what would that look like? And we feel like it's the kind of business where an owner's participation regularly is vital. Um, People want to know the owner. People want to... Um, have that connection with yep. you, yep. but I also think um, you often see businesses where they, the owner steps away and employs lots of staff, and the service quality mm-hmm. maybe reduces. Absolutely. Um, and we thought about travelling around. You know how often you just get a call and you have to go and fix something or something's not going wrong. Right. And we didn't want that. Um, we didn't want to be on the other side of Australia and right. get a call saying. You need to come and fix this. Oh, so yep. for us, selling was um, the best option. But having said that, it's been difficult to let go because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been our baby, well, my baby in particular, because I don't have children. <laughs> um, but it, it is it is a baby. Yeah. It's your child. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm. So that's sort of, they're the, they're the main reasons. I think you see lots of people in small business they're tired and they just keep flogging it. Um, mm. And the customers feel it. They feel that mm. um, they're not getting what they used to get. So we thought, wow. let's be smart about it and get someone who has new energy um, and new ideas who can, it, it's ready to take that next step, like maybe another tank, maybe another location, right. Right. Um, that sort of thing. But I didn't feel I had the energy to mm-hmm. take it to that next step. Yeah. That's so good to, yeah, to know other, yourself. Sorry, Alex. Or, excuse me, Anthony, go ahead. The other thing that's interesting through floating is that we both discovered that there's um, immense power in giving up things that have defined you. So Ellie's the lady that ran the float centre. And now that she doesn't have a float centre, who is she? Right. And that's the exciting part of the adventure. Nice. And through floating, I did the same with flying. I... I've retired from that, but for 30 years I was the pilot. Yeah. But now I'm not the pilot. I'm some. I'm me. I'm someone else that can do whatever I want, and it's really exciting. So, we that that came to us through flo- floating regularly. That the, the power in that giving up, giving up is great. Wow, beautiful. Well, who are you guys today? Uh, we're free we're free yeah (laughs) we're caravanners we actually we call ourselves the the no gray mads which is i don't know if you have over in the u.s they call them gray nomads Uh -uh. like people that travel around in their caravans when they retire Um, oh awesome i think we technically before we're gray but the (laughs) other part to that is that we we have seen a lot of people that are that are nearby us in our circle of friends that have wanted to do adventuresome things and and it's become all too late for them. They've yeah. gotten sick or they've hurt themselves or or they've died and um, hmm. you know that's a motivation for us to to have an adventure and to get going and to do it together while we're fit and healthy. Yeah. We like mountain biking and we like you know letting the mountain biking lead the adventure so that's another part as to why we've done what we've done well i'm going to ask the most it's not because we didn't uh, like floating 
Right. Yeah, that's become quite clear. Yeah. So super inappropriate question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. You guys are a very young looking couple. And so I'm, I am curious. You're, you're talking about wanting to, to live your lives and while you still have your health and everything. How, how old are you guys going into this phase of your life? Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm only 30. I'm only 30. I'm only 38. <laughs> 38. And Anthony? 56. <laughs> and you're mountain biking and living it up. Awesome. Yeah. 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 <sighs> I'm trying it. to keep him as young as possible for as long <laughs> as possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I love it. So Beautiful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question that Amy um, is actually came up with this question, which is, did you use a broker for the sale? Like how how did the sale come about? Yeah. Putting it out on the market. Yeah, we we did. Um, we initially had known of a couple of customers who we knew had a dream, had like dreams of opening flow centers, um, and so we did actually start negotiating with a customer, but that sort of fizzled out. Um, just it didn't happen, and we sort of went back and thought what we'd learned from that process was that we need someone to manage this process. So we did use a broker mm-hmm. um, because it's complicated and we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it gets really, it could get really personal um, mm. and really uh, a lot of delicate things to deal with. And you also, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so uh, the broker knows how to process these transactions and all the things that need to be considered that you might not have been aware of. Um, so for us, having been through the process now, we would definitely use a broker and definitely recommend using a broker, but also don't necessarily be, uh, how would I put it, stuck using what a broker would normally use as their marketing tools or strategies go Uh with your instincts because floating Uh is different Mm -hmm. and mm, i was very convinced that our our new owner would be a customer or a staff member yeah the brokers that i spoke to said yeah lots of people think that but that doesn't happen and it did happen, and that's what it was. And the only marketing we did was I sent out a letter to a whole lot of our value sort of VIP customers who yeah. um, we'd built big relationships with who I wanted to tell them personally we were selling. Um, and through that, we had probably 15 or 20 of our customers download the business profile and oh, be wow. seriously interested in buying the business. Wow. That's, yeah. that seems like... Yeah. Like a big success right there, yeah. Yeah, what was I think the thing people that... are afraid of telling their customers that they're thinking of selling. Yeah. Um, but we just wanted to be open and honest because these people were our friends. And that's how we explained it, is that, look, this is, we're off to have a new adventure. We think you guys are great and we don't want you to hear this from someone else, but this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we can see that, one of our customers or staff might be awesome at running this business. So if you're interested, contact this person. Um, and people were really open to that and re- responded really well and appreciated the honesty, I think. What was the biggest surprise, in your opinion, um, as you went through the process? What surprised you? What didn't surprise you? 
Hmm. What did you discover during uh, the process? Of one, of the, one of the surprises was the difference between what we thought the business was worth <laughs> and what <laughs> we were ultimately going to get for the business. Yeah, that was yeah a let's talk about that. Let's. How do you determine yeah. the worth of your business when you're looking to sell? Mm. That's a really good question, and lots of people have from the float industry have contacted me about that mm. to you know to try to get a gauge for what their business is worth. Um, here in Australia, it might be quite different to in the US or other parts of the world, mm. but. Speaking to accountants and brokers, I got a real sort of feel for if you're running a business that essentially is a job for you, so maybe it earns you under $100,000 a year and you're putting 40 to 50 hours a week in, mm -hmm. essentially you've got a job. You if bit different if you're doing 30 hours a week, 25 hours a week and you're, um, or you're hardly there and you're just taking a profit from it. That's a different scenario. But if you're in a business working in it and someone's going to have to do that themselves, mm -hmm. essentially all they are doing is buying your job, right. <laughs> so, which is an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's the reality of it. Um, and you can say, oh, it's got huge potential, it's got this and it's got that, but potential is, as the broker put it to me, the work you haven't done. Oh, dang, yeah. <laughs> so I think people go, oh, my business has so much potential, it's got to be worth heaps. It's like, well, it would be if you fulfilled that potential, but someone else has to do all that work. So that's for them to make that money. Um, so what we ended up getting for our business was about a year and a half of what I was earning. So that's, and I don't know if that would be a good kind of multiplier for people to base their own on, mm -hmm. but um, essentially our new owner paid a year and a half's wages to earn that wage. Right. And to have the opportunity for the potential of mm -hmm. the business. Right. And potentially adding um, more float tanks, all of that. And... Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of people are investing a huge amount of money <laughs> in centers, um, yeah. particularly new startups at the moment from yeah. things I'm hearing and reading. And it is a little bit frightening, um, particularly if they're borrowing a lot of money, um, that if they did have yeah. to sell, they might not get what they need to sort mm. of recoup their costs. Mm -hmm. um, I'm s yeah. That's such a wise thing to bring up and to remind people. Mm. So glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. I, a few I, people contacted me and said, oh, you know, my business owes me this many hundred thousand dollars. I'd have to get that for it. And I thought, oh, gee, <laughs> you yeah, might that, be in trouble. That's interesting because, again, that center might have the potential, but if it's not actually doing that, it, the value isn't there right. for for analysis mm. or your broker is not going to see it as, as having that well, value. Yeah. They're buying risk. Yeah. They're buying yeah, risk exactly. is what they're buying. Yeah. <laughs> so and they're not going to pay a whole lot for risk. risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And essentially, do you want the new owner to be successful or not? Um, for me, it is like handing over a child who I want to have an awesome upbringing. <laughs> yeah. I want it to oh. blossom. <laughs> so um, we didn't want to sell it for a price that would make it, 
Um, impossible for them to be successful yeah, you know wow, um, we weren't but also because we own the building we have a vested <laughs> interest in them yes. being successful which cool. is um un an unusual circumstance so they've got a nice deal that they've got owners who really want them to succeed and it's actually a little group of shops so we've guaranteed look you're not going to get a noisy neighbor if you oh, ever cool. you know if, if the other shops come up for lease we know you need oh, white people next so to you nice. and that sort of thing so they've got a good situation um but yeah we didn't want to be greedy um and, and we so wanted it to go to the to, right people and so you got to know these people they're clients of ours and, and so yeah. and so the so I think of like buying a, a property or a house, like I feel like there's this big crowbar separation. You speak through mm. uh, your, your third parties. But in this case, it was a client. And, and while you were working with a broker, you actually were talking with them one-on-one -on -one as well. Is that right? A little bit. Initially, when I sort of first put it out there, she called me and she said, you're not going to believe this. I've just quit my job. I have been wanting to get into the wellness kind of industry and haven't been able to figure out what to do. I love floating. This has just arrived at the perfect time. And we chatted for about an hour. Um, she is a mother of two children. So I did sort of say, you know, it's it can be hard and that might that would be the main struggle I'd see for you but she turned that around and said well if I'm my own boss I can work the hours that I choose and get staff to do the hours I don't want to do mm -hmm. so she's sort of come at it from a different angle cool. Cool. um yeah um but then once it started to get serious she dealt with the broker um and I okay. didn't have to uh, and I liked that um it took me um out of the picture and the broker knows how to negotiate. Huh. Um, and I think she would have, and she, I think she may have thought that and may not have liked dealing with the broker as much as she might have liked dealing with me. Sure, sure. But um, for me, it, I had to keep running my business because I could be running it for another three years. So I didn't want to be distracted by this mm. process, process of selling. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be still completely focused on running my business until the day I handed it to the next person. Yeah, so great. it would have been really, really time consuming and distracting to have been having to do those dealings as well. Got it. Wow. Amy, did you have any follow up questions? I, I love, um, I love that you shared so much. I think there needs to be so much more of this, um, this very clear discussion about the float industry and you've answered so many questions that I think a lot of people have, but didn't know where to go to ask. And you've been so incredibly open and honest about it. So thank you so much for sharing this story. I think you did a, um, you made a decision from the heart, a uh, very mm -hmm. authentic decision and the way you handled it is an absolute joy to hear about. That is the most ideal situation that any of us could ask for. So thank you for even doing this justice to the industry yeah. as well, for being so <laughs> kind, for supporting your clients. Can you be my landlord? Yeah. <laughs> I would Maybe love for you to be my landlord. landlord. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Please, yeah. sir, my property. Um, <laughs> thank yeah. you for, for uh, letting me know that there's still that, that goodness and that yeah. um, generosity and that kindness out there. Yeah, yeah I love... that's uh, nice. Sorry, go ahead. 
Um, I think what we've found since we've been floating, and the customer put it perfectly, your life just goes better. And with the two of us completely on the same wavelength and floating regularly and being really clear with what we want, it goes smoothly. And if you're open and honest and act with integrity, the right things will happen. Um, and if it's not meant to happen or if there's huge obstacles, maybe you're not supposed to do it. <laughs> um, everything for us that's happened with the float room has gone smoothly really mm -hmm. um or if it hasn't it's turned out to be a good thing um mm -hmm. so uh, i think being open and honest in business can sometimes be really unusual to come by but i think the float industry is pretty good at that from the mm -hmm. people i've come across everyone seems really genuine and really nice that's also um, part of the reason why you came up with the idea of the float people. Oh, yeah. They're probably going to ask about okay. that. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, tell us about the float people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a bit of a concept. It's still in its infancy. But like you guys uh, offer consulting um, in the US, we I was getting lots of calls of people looking at starting their own float centres in Australia and it, whilst I was running my own business, having the time to help them was mm. just, it, it was hard and I, you didn't do it justice and you sort of had to fob them off really. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd like to be able to offer people help if they're looking to start their own float centre, but also um, given that we are now caravanning all around Australia, we, we found the hardest thing for us was taking holidays and being able to leave our business, even with staff who kind of knew what they were doing, we knew if something went wrong or something broke, it was going to be a disaster. Um, or if they might have been okay at running the day-to-day -day things, but changing the filters and things like that, or if the balance, if your pH and alkalinity went out, did they know what to do? Those sorts of things. We, we found that really hard and couldn't take a lot of time off. Yeah. So we've got a concept of sort of being able to go around and fill in for people when they want to take leave that at their float so centre. Cool. So if they want to have a few weeks off, we can come and sort wow. of look after it for them. It's it's an idea in its infancy. Whether it will work or not, I don't know. But um, hopefully we'll get to try it out. Well, if I if anybody's listening who's interested in either brainstorming that concept with you or they're like <laughs> – Here's my money, take it. Now I need you in my flow center. Um, <laughs> yeah. how, how would they contact yeah. you guys? Um, best thing's probably to give me a call or email. Um, my email address is airlyburns at gmail.com, which is A-I-R-L-I-E-B-Y-R-N-E-S at gmail.com. And um, phone number We'll probably put up on the show or something. We'll put but that on the show notes. Four, <laughs> just because I've heard you say that before. Um, <laughs> 0418 We have an actual listener here? Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that'll, that'll be on the show notes on www.artofthefloat.com. Yes. Um, we do have, I have made a web, website, thefloatpeople.com, but okay. it's very, it's just like a landing page at this stage. Okay. And awesome. a Facebook page too. Yeah. That is, oh, cool. 
Perfect. Well, if anybody yeah. is at their computer, definitely like the float people on Facebook as well, just to hear what's going on. And gosh, when you feel like yeah. you're feeling that burnout, give them, give them a phone call, shoot them an email and give yourself a darn yeah. break. Cause we need it sometimes. My God, we mm. work so hard. Um, what a yeah. fun concept. And then you guys don't have mm. to burn out. You get to go in, work hard and then, and then get out of there and, uh, go hiking or mountain biking. How awesome. Yeah. And we can see that it could help people also, you know, if you've got a four tank center and it's time to change your salt or um, pull your tanks apart and that sort of thing. Mm. If you could just have a couple of people come in and help you for a couple of days um, and get it done so your downtime is less and that sort of thing, um, we can see um, that that would have been really, like if we had a bigger float center, that kind of thing would be really helpful. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. absolutely i love love that concept that is so cool i'm so excited and i was also curious because the way i got in contact with you guys was somebody else was selling their float center you guys provided some helpful information and and float facilitators in the comments field and i reached out to you guys and it didn't even occur to me until we were on this interview wait why are they still in float facilitators how come their finger's still on the pulse here uh that's so great you are absolutely still part of this uh industry i I didn't realize that before we began and so i apologize beforehand if i said anything about you guys not being part of the industry anymore you absolutely are that's so exciting i love it and thank you so much well it's a great industry and we don't really want to um exit (laughs) it um but we're just this is another way we can remain involved um cool and maybe get to float all around australia Never yeah, know. beautiful, right? And so are you guys still managing to float regularly? Yes, we just went, we were just away for a month in Victoria, which is mm. the state next to us. And okay. we went and visited another float center there um, and had a float with them and tried out their new Pandora Star gadget as well, which was pretty cool. Um, and right. that was good. We sort of touched base with them and I think they liked their eyes lit up when they heard what we were doing, that they started to plan all their holidays, I think. So, yeah. Well, I guess that is one thing is you guys will no longer have holidays anymore. You'll have to celebrate on, on different days, but uh, wonderful. I love it. Right. Um, is there anything else that you guys would want to share with our audience before we sign off here for the night? Uh, have, we, have we covered? I don't co- think so. Okay. I think we've covered a lot. If yeah. you're thinking of selling, um, plan it, I think, would be the biggest tip. Don't wait till you have to. Think ahead and start putting things in place. Um, people are going to want to see several years of financials. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've been taking cash out of the business, which <laughs> no one would do, I'm sure, but not that's listeners, not going no. to do you any favours. That's not going to do you any favours when you come to sell the business because right. people can't see that in your financials. Hmm. Um, just things like that. You need to work with your accountant and make sure you're recording all the right information so that you can um, give potential buyers the best information. Wise words, very wise words. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation, and I think this has been uh, very valuable for the float community. So I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited about your guys' business as well. So um, I look forward to, to uh, chatting with you guys again about how it's going down the road here, if, if that's where, where the float tanks lead you. So we'll see. But um, yeah. c- congratulations on all the success you've had and the lives you're living. It sounds absolutely beautiful. So thank, thanks again for joining. 
Thanks to our listeners. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Erle. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. Thanks to everybody, everybody for listening. Um, again, uh, www.artofthefloat.com is where you want to go for, for the show notes and any links to anything we talked about, definitely to get in contact with these guys if you're interested um, in, in any brainstorming information or getting in contact for actually using them for a service. That'd be so cool. Um, let's see here. Gosh, guys, uh, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing, so spend some time there. We will see you next week. Art of the Float.